Romans chapter 14, verses 17 and 18 is our passage for this morning. Romans 14, grab your Bibles and turn there with me. We are finishing up uh, the sermon series this morning about disputable matters and, and having talked about a lot of the, um, uh, the problems there this morning, we're going to get over into if we're not supposed to focus on disputable matters, what are we supposed to focus on? And so we're going to um, look at uh, Romans chapter 14, we're going to look at 17 and 18 this morning. It says there, the Apostle Paul writes, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. This is the word of the Lord. If you have your sermon outlines this morning, let's uh, start with the vision that this passage gives us as we begin. And we have to ask the question, are we thinking of denominational correctness or the expansive kingdom of God? Are we thinking of denominational correctness or the expansive kingdom of God? As you look at verse 17, it starts off with those words, and we're going to, get, we're going to unpack this whole, this whole two verses. But it starts out, off with saying, for the kingdom of God. Now, there's a lot of, we could get into technicalities about you know how we define the kingdom of God but you know you could talk about the kingdom of God in terms of uh, what God is doing in all the churches around the world you could talk about in terms of what God is doing in the lives of, of Christians all around the world you could talk about in terms of everywhere the Holy Spirit is, is moving all around the world to transform lives and honestly this morning I really don't care which definition that we use the, the point that we need to make is that there is one kingdom of God where Jesus Christ is being preached and lifted up and the Holy Spirit is moving and that kingdom of God is all over the world. It's a global kingdom of God where we see God moving in all different places. And it is easy for us oftentimes, and we've been talking about this during this sermon series, we kind of think about, well, we think about our church. And our church is important because we want to see good things happen there. We think about Baptist churches, but sometimes the Baptists get mad at the Pentecostals and the Methodists aren't sure about the Mennonites and all that kind of stuff. And it's important for us to come back as we look at this passage, as we think about what we're going to focus on this morning in terms of where we need to go if we're not going to be focused on disputable matters, is that it begins for the kingdom of God. And the reality of it is that there is one kingdom of God. And it's not a Baptist kingdom. It's not a Methodist kingdom. It's not a Pentecostal kingdom. It's not a Mennonite kingdom. It is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And as we think about that this morning, we've got to, to stay focused on that big picture and not get over here into thinking that, well, God only loves the Baptists or God only loves the Methodists or God only loves the Pentecostals or whatever it may happen to be. God is moving in lots of churches all around the world that may have different labels than the label on the front of our church. And the reality is as long as Jesus Christ is being lifted up, we're in favor of what they're doing. Gordon McDonald tells the story of, um, there was he was the is the son of a pastor and when he was growing up in his father's denomination there was a, a certain minister he, he remembers um, some other uh, ministers that agreed with his dad gathering there in in their house and they were talking about this certain pastor who you know as a young person Gordon listening to them he just that, that other pastor must have been the embodiment of, of all that was wrong and, and 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 you know not right within churches because they just his dad and the others just had all these negative things to say about him. Well, Gordon grew up and ended up being a pastor himself and a writer. And, 
and one day he was there in his, um, in his church in Kentucky when um, the secretary buzzed him and he said, there's an older gentleman out here who says he would just like a moment of your time. Um, and Gord said, what's his name? And it was the name of the guy from when he was a kid that, all, that his dad and everybody said was this terrible person. And um, Gordon said, well, we'll let him in. And when he came in, it turned out it was him. And they sat down, and they end up in this incredible conversation. Like, it wasn't a five-minute conversation, but for like an hour they're talking. And, and as this man is sharing about, about Jesus and, 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 and what God has done in his life, all those things that, that his dad and those others had said about him, they all just kind of seemed to fade away. Um, because he could see this man's faith was genuine and, and sincere. And in fact, what that man didn't realize, that as he was sitting there, he, he said, I just want to tell you, he said, one of the things I wanted to tell you was, because Gordon had written a number of books, he said, I just want to tell you how much your writing has meant to me and, and how the Holy Spirit has used that. And what that man didn't realize was that very day, Gordon had been struggling with whether he needed to, to cast aside the writing and not do that anymore, and instead just move forward on the other things. He was having doubts about whether he was effective as a writer. And the Holy Spirit, he said in that moment as he was sitting there, he realized the Holy Spirit was using this man. That his dad and those other ministers had been like, you know, no, 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 he's not one of us. The Holy Spirit was using this man to confirm to Gordon that he should continue his writing. And Gordon said in that moment, he, he realized... I need to be careful to never say anything negative about somebody that God might be smiling at. And as we look at this phrase here, where it says that it's the kingdom of God, we need to remember that we are called to be, that we are part of this grand scheme of, of, of the kingdom of God that's all over the world. And as we think about that, it's important how we go forward, understanding it's not a Baptist thing or a Pentecostal thing or a Methodist thing. It is the kingdom of God thing. How do we go forward on that? Well, let's talk about the negative and then the positive. So the negative is this. Second thing, the wrong focus is the point is not to win arguments about secondary spiritual matters. The point is not to win arguments about secondary spiritual matters. Look at what he continues there in verse 17. He says, for the kingdom of God, and again, our focus is big here because there is one big kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Now, for those of you that have been here the last few weeks, you know, if you go back up to verse 15 as an example, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. We talked about that last week. And we talked about the reality that, you know, the eating and drinking there had to do with meat sacrifice to idols, which was an issue back then. And so he's talking about a disputable matter. He's saying, you know, the kingdom of God is not about whether eating meat sacrificed to idols is appropriate or not. So you could paraphrase, if you'll allow me, the beginning of verse 17 to say, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of disputable matters. It's not about these little issues that we get so focused on about, well, you know, do we believe like that or do we believe like that or we be believe like that? on all these matters that are of secondary importance. There is something else we're supposed to be focusing on, and it's not these things that we so often argue about and get all bent out of shape over because, well, you know, one person believes this way and one person believes this way, and it's a secondary matter, and we get all worked up about it, even though we shouldn't. 
it, it reminds me of a, of a story I read this week. Um, I'm going to go over here so I can get the names of the restaurants right. There were, in, in India, I was reading this week about there were three brothers who started out, um, they, they all had one restaurant together, but then the restaurant started doing really well and there was arguments over money. And so they ended up dividing up. And on the same street, they end up, there were three different restaurants. The original, let me get the names right. The, the brothers, the first restaurant was, uh, was called Moon Rakers. And then another brother went down and started a restaurant called Moon Walkers. And then the third brother went further down the street and started a restaurant called Moon Rocks. And so you have Moon Rakers and Moon Walkers and Moon Rocks, these three restaurants that are all basically serving the same stuff. And there were times where these brothers and trying to get different people to come to their restaurants, there was an incident twice in the year I was reading about where they, they literally were out in the street fighting with each other, like fighting with each other, getting people to come to their particular restaurant. Now, moon rakers, moon walkers, and moon rocks, those don't sound very different to me. And yet they were fighting about it. And I wonder sometimes if the world looks at us and goes, I don't really see how a Baptist is that different from a Methodist is that different from a Pentecostal, and yet they're arguing with each other all the time. We're not supposed to be, because what does verse 17 say? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. One of the arguments that skeptics will use, people who don't believe in Christianity, is they'll say, okay, you know, you, Jim, you know, you and other, the other preachers, you all say that the Bible is really clear. And if the Bible is really clear, then why are there so many denominations? You know, and that just, that proves that the Bible isn't true. And it doesn't, but it does bring up an important issue. Romans 14, in Romans 14 and 15, Paul lays out, okay, the Bible speaks on a ton of different issues. But the Bible, there's also a lot of things that the Bible doesn't talk about. And so we might have a difference on what kind of music we're going to use, or we might have a difference on how long the preaching should be, or we might have a difference on how much money we should spend on outreach and how much we should spend on something else. The Bible doesn't cover every single issue. What the Bible does do in Romans 14 is that it tells us how we are to disagree. And when we do disagree, we're not to fuss with each other and argue with each other, but we are to recognize, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not, these aren't issues we're supposed to be consumed with. These aren't issues that we're supposed to be focused on. And so when we think about those, those times where we do have disagreements, the problem isn't that the Bible doesn't address it because the Bible does address it here in Romans 14. The problem is that we like arguing so much, we ignore what the Bible says and we argue with each other anyway. And so, as we think about that, if we weren't to do that, if we were instead to do what the Bible has to say, what would our focus be? If it's not about disputable matters, what is our focus? Well, let's get into that. The right focus is this, a life overflowing with righteousness, peace, and joy brought by the power of the Holy Spirit. A life overflowing with righteousness, peace, and joy brought by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 17, the second half of it. 
it begins by saying, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. So we just talked about that. It's not supposed to be about the disputable matters. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So he's telling us there what it is to be about. And I want to unpack that that phrase there. But before I unpack that phrase, I want you to notice something important about what it says. When it says there, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's letting us know that what the kingdom of God is about is not about necessarily a belief system, although we need to believe in Jesus. More than a belief, the kingdom of God is about a life. It's about something that's going to happen in us and through us. It's going to be about a transformed way that we live. It's not just about saying I believe certain things and then that having no impact on me, but it's going to be about a different way to live. What, what exactly do those words mean? So the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about those. So the first one is righteousness. So righteousness, we're not talking about self-righteousness where we act like we, you know, we're, we're, we have everything right. We acknowledge our sinfulness. We acknowledge how far short we've fallen, as Preston testified to earlier. You know, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ died on the cross because we are sinners. But the good news is that Jesus didn't just die to forgive me of my sin, but Jesus also wants to transform me from my sin. He wants to, to move me from being somebody who is tied into that sin and can't get out of it over to somebody that is increasingly and regularly seeing the, the fruit in my life of becoming more like God. If you want to think of, um, I, you know, I've preached before, one of the analogies earlier that Paul uses in talking about the, the, the depths of sin in our life and how negative it is, I, I've, I've said, you know, one way we can think about it is to think of sin as like, spiritually, sin is like cancer physically in the body. And if I have sin within, if I have cancer within my body, I want that out as quickly as possible. And spiritually speaking, sin is like cancer, and I want that, that sin out of my life. And as God comes into my life through Jesus Christ, He doesn't just forgive me, but He, he begins the process of making me into somebody who is righteous. He declares me righteous as I am saved, but He also begins the process of making me into someone who is righteous so that I can become somebody who doesn't just believe in Jesus, but I can become somebody who is increasingly becoming like Jesus. Simon uh, Sinek tells a story in uh, Start With Why of years ago when um, the, the people who make laundry detergent, they were trying to figure out the best way to advertise. And, and you know, when they would talk to people, everybody would say, you know, I want whiter whites and brighter brights. You know, I, I want my, my laundry to just be as bright as possible. And so they, they focused their advertising on that, you know, that, that, their, um, uh, that, that they wanted their product to, to get clothes as clean as possible. And, and so they really focused on trying to do better with that so that they would sell more. And then they hired somebody to do some research. And they came to realize, as this person was doing the research, that when people got their laundry out of the washer and the dryer, they never pulled it out and held it up to the light to see if it was cleaner. What did they do? They smelled it. They smelled it. 
And what they came to realize was that people were not so much interested in actually having their clothes and towels be clean as they were that they smelled like they were clean. Which is not the same thing, is it? And I think a lot of times we come in, oh, you know, I've, I've got my my nice Bible under my arm, and I'm wearing a nice suit, and I want to come in, I want to, I want to smell righteous. You know, I want to smell like, like I, I give the impression that I've got my whole life together, and I come in here, and if Bill asks me how my day is going, I've had a horrible week, and everything's falling apart, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I'm doing great, brother, how are you doing? And we come in here, we act like we have it all together, and, and, and I, I know there's sin in my life, and I'm hiding that from everybody, because I want you guys to think highly of me, and you hide it from me, because you want me to think highly of you. And we all come in here, we want to smell righteous. Jesus doesn't want us to smell righteous, he wants us to be righteous. He wants us to become people who are actually like Him so that He gets the sin out of our lives so that I'm no longer somebody that's filled with anger and I'm, I'm no longer somebody that is, is struggling with lust and I'm nobody, no longer somebody that, that is gossiping all the time and all those things that are sinful in our lives and are hurting us and drawing us down. But it says in this passage, as you look at what it says there, it says the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness. That I don't just get to believe in Jesus. I get to become like Jesus. And so that's part of what he is doing, and that's part of where he is taking it. Look at the second thing. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. The second thing is peace. It's also a matter of peace. That, that shows up in a number of ways. It shows up in, in my connection to God and, and that I know I, I know I fall short sometimes, and I know I fail but I know that I have peace with God because He loves me. And through Jesus Christ, I have a peace of knowing that as, even as I fall short sometimes, that God loves me and that He is there for me and that He'll walk with me. I have a peace to know that I have a relationship with God and He is there for me. Also, as we go forward, the, the Bible talks about that there's a peace that passes understanding. And what that means is, even as I go through circumstances where I, I should be stressed out and I should be full of anxiety because everything isn't going the way that I thought, that God can give us a peace in the midst of that time of turmoil because we know, even as we go through that, we know that He is with us and He's going to see us through. To give one example of that, as I think back over, you know, Karen and I have been married almost 30 years, and I've seen Him take care of financial needs over and over and over again. And so we've reached a point now where when there's a financial issue within, my, within our, our, our checkbook, I, I don't freak out about it. I have a peace about it. Why? Because Matthew 6.33 says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things, speaking of what enough to eat, enough to, to, to drink, enough to you know, clothes to wear, all those things will be added to you. And so I just go before God, and I'm like, God, I don't know how we're going to work this out. I don't know how it's all going to come together, but I know that you will. In the midst of a situation where I should be stressed out, I can have peace, a peace that surpasses understanding, because I know that God is with me. He's promised that He'll never leave me and He'll never forsake me. And so I can know within that situation, as it talks about there, as you look at that, that the kingdom of God is about peace. I can know as I have that peace that He's always going to be with me. The third thing is interesting. It's also a matter of peace, righteousness, and joy. Um, we were just talking in Sunday school this morning Bill was preaching on the story where Jesus comes along between Galilee and Samaria and there's a bunch of lepers over to the side and, and 
um, and they call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus tells them to go see the priest, and as they're going, the lepers are healed. And how many of them come back to praise Jesus? One. Out of the ten, one of them come back. And he comes back, and he, he, he grabs onto Jesus' feet. Um, and you know, I've been a Christian for a long time now. And I have to admit, I think too often I'm more like the nine. I, I don't always have the level of thankfulness that I should have. You know, it's Thanksgiving this week, and, and I, you know, I have so much to be thankful for, but I think sometimes I kind of take it for granted. And, and I don't stop and, and really appreciate all the ways that God has blessed me. And the thing about that is, if I did appreciate it, and if I did pay attention to it, and if I did think about all that God has blessed me with, Righteousness, peace, and joy. Wouldn't I be, wouldn't we be overflowing with joy when we stop and think of all that God has done, you know, taking care of, uh, of our financial needs and bringing the people into our lives that we love and who love us back, and, and we think of all that He has done for us, spiritually speaking, and how He's promised to be there for us, and all that we have to be thankful for, when all that comes up, there was a, a, a deacon at my first church who used to always sing a song, or he used to sing a song all the time. He, the song was, I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. I don't know that that's good English, but it's really good theology. And, and we should be drinking from our saucer, shouldn't we? Because our cup has overflowed because of how good God has been to us and all the good things that he has brought into our lives. I was reading this week about a fellow who he got out of prison um, and and... He was wrongly convicted. He got out of prison. And just listen to this. He went to um, one of the first places he went. He gets out of prison. They, they realize he, he was innocent. He'd been in jail a long time. He got out of prison. And one of the first things he did, he wanted to get his driver's license back. And so I love, it's just a little paragraph. He and his brother go. Um, I don't think people understand the punishment that being in prison is. They take everything away from you, and because of that, when you're out, everything becomes beautiful to you. When we got out, we went to the DMV to get our licenses back. My brother and I stood in line for two and a half hours. <laughs> we had heard all the bad things about the DMV, but we had the most beautiful time. And all the people were looking at us because we were smiling and laughing, and they couldn't understand why we were so happy. And it was just that being out and being free and being in that line was a beautiful thing. <laughs> we have so much to be thankful for. And as we think about the reality of how much we have to be thankful for, we need, when we, when we focus on that, there's going to be joy that, that becomes overflowing in our lives. So let's finish it up because there's one more thing there. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in who? In the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit, we have that. And we, we talked before about the reality that as we walk forward in our Christian life, the Holy Spirit there is there to guide us and direct us. You know, when it comes to righteousness, He's there to convict me of sin and help me to become more like Him. When it comes to peace, He's there to give me comfort in the midst of a time where I might have turmoil. In terms of joy, He's there to help me be focused on what I should be thankful for so that I can be overflowing with joy. And, and one of the beauties is that as we are walking forward, that God has promised the Holy Spirit is within us and that He will always be with us walking forward. And so we know that we have that guidance, we have that conviction, we have that direction, 
from the Holy Spirit moment by moment as we walk through this life. And so the kingdom of God is supposed to be something where we're focused on righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And if we were really focused on that, if I was focused on, I want to become more like Christ, and I want to have a peace that passes understanding, and I want to be overflowing with joy, and I want the Holy Spirit to guide me. If I had all that and that was my focus, I really wouldn't spend a whole lot of time over here on these secondary issues, would I? I wouldn't have a lot of time to debate what kind of music we should sing or how long the preaching should be or all these other disputable matters that we get into. I wouldn't be worried about that because the focus is not, can I win this argument? The focus is on, I want to become like Jesus Christ and enjoy all the righteousness, all the peace, and all the joy in the Holy Spirit that I can have. Now, it leads me to the last thing, and this is kind of a mind-blowing thought, but I want to finish with this because what he says in verse 18, um, I, I don't, th this, this isn't something that I think is going to hit all of us, but I feel like there are people here this morning that really need this. Um, and the Holy Spirit will apply where he wants to. The, the last point I want to make is this. Our lives can be pleasing to God. Our lives can be pleasing to God. Look at verse 18. Let's read 17 again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not disputable matters. But of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Now the human approval part just means as we are living a life that, that is trying to honor God and trying to lift Him up, generally people are going to look at us and, and, and look at our lives with approval. But I'm not really interested in that this morning. I'm interested in the first half of that. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God. That's a statement we need to stop on for a minute. And I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but there are a lot of people who look upon God and they think He's looking down on us, and He's looking down on us like, man, you are an idiot. I can't believe you did that again. Or man, you are falling so far short. You're not where I want you to be. There, there are many of us who look at God and we kind of don't want to make eye contact because we know He's looking on us as though we've messed up. We know He's looking at us as though we've made another mistake and He's frustrated with us and He's tired of us and He doesn't want to mess with us anymore. And it may come from the way we were raised. Maybe we had parents who were very negative toward us. Maybe it's a lack of self-confidence or a lack of self-esteem. Whatever it may happen to be, there are a ton of people who, when they think of God, they think of somebody who is shaking their head constantly at them. And when you think about that, and you look at what verse 18 says, when I understand what this is supposed to be about, and, and I start saying, God, I want to be more righteous. I want less sin in my life. God, I want to experience your peace. God, I want to have the joy that you, you desire to bring into my life. I want to obey the Holy Spirit and have Him guide me. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And so we believe that what this book tells me is not just my opinion or Paul's opinion or whoever. We believe it's what's written here is God's opinion. And what verse 18 tells me is that when I am trying to live a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, that when I serve Christ in that way, that my life is pleasing to God. 
Isn't that amazing? That my life is pleasing to God. Now, why, why would that be true? I think there's two big things. Number one is that our life is becoming increasingly like Jesus, and, and that pleases Him. But the other thing, we've got to go back a little further. The whole opportunity that I have to, to do all these things we've talked about this morning is not because I'm a good person or because I went to seminary or any of that. The whole reason that I can do all these things we've talked about this morning, righteousness, peace, joy, in the Holy Spirit, is to go all the way back further. I go back, and Jesus Christ saved me, and He transformed me, and He gave me a new heart. And as I walk forward, the whole plan of the New Testament is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we can be saved. And as we are saved, He comes into our lives and gives us a new spiritual heart and the Holy Spirit so that we can walk forward and actually be people who are like Jesus Christ. That's the whole plan. And when I am living a life where I'm actually becoming more righteous because the sin's going out of my life and I'm experiencing more peace and experiencing more joy and the Holy Spirit is guiding me, when I'm doing all those things, God's plan is working. The, the, the plan is that all those things would happen in our lives. And when he looks at my life, God's plan is working. And so when he looks at us, he is pleased. Because what Jesus came to bring into our lives is coming to fruition, and we are gradually becoming people who are more like Christ. And when God looks at our lives as we are pursuing that, our lives Please him. And so for everybody here this morning to go back to what we were talking about a moment ago, whether it's that childhood thing or, or a lack of self-esteem or a lack of self-confidence or whatever it may happen to be, I want you to look at those words this morning and, and I, I'm hoping that they may change the way that as you pray and as you think about God, that it might change the way that that works within your life. Because even if you're not perfect yet, even if you're, you're not 100% there, if that's something that you are pursuing, as you are attempting to pursue that, it says there that that life pleases God. And that He is looking down on you, not with disgust or shaking His head, but that God is looking down on you with a smile on His face and saying, look at what my sons sacrifice and look at what the Holy Spirit's presence is doing in that person's life. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I want to experience all that I can get. Father, forgive us this morning for focusing on secondary matters that don't amount to a hill of beans and ignoring the spiritual growth and spiritual progress you desire to bring into our lives that we might literally become more like Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this morning that in each of our lives that as we understand this, that we would want this. And that as we want it, that you would help make it happen 
in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name.